Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kashevitz, and this is our weekly look at Chicago White Sox. I'm joined, as I am each week, by Scott Merkin. Merk, first of all, uh, I was at the Bruce Springsteen concert at United Center on August 28th. It was very distracting. I couldn't even focus on the show because I was looking all over the arena for you. I was looking for a handsome man in an Eagles T-shirt, and I did not see you. Where were you? I was backstage the whole time. I was uh, working on their set list with them and kind of giving them hints on what should follow and that kind of thing and gotcha. maybe some off-the-script off the script stuff and all that, and then I had to leave early. So, yeah, it, it was good, though. <laughs> the man in black behind the scenes. I like it. Uh, <laughs> That's right. right. So, uh, I know you spoke with Chris Sale here recently um, and just about kind of the way this season has gone. Another frustrating year for the White Sox. Um, not taking advantage of, of sales' greatness and Jose Quintana's greatness. And uh, what do you have to say about all that? You know, he pitched um, in the first game of the series against Detroit. It was his second straight start where Justin Verlander opposed him. The start before that, Felix Hernandez opposed him. So this yeah. is, you know, true ace work that sales doing number ones versus number ones. And the Sox lost all three of those games. And really, you know, no fault of Chris Sales. He's, for the first time in his career, he's gone four straight starts where he's pitched at least eight innings. And one of those starts was a complete game. So, I mean, he's just dealing right now. And, you know, I, I think he's understatedly frustrated after the, you know, he talked to the media after the game yesterday and was asked about it, you know, really, a, a, I mean, every year he's been there, they failed to make the playoffs, but really the last two years and 2012 were, were the, were the prime years for him to go 2012, you know, as we everyone hates to hear the number, but they led for 117 days and then kind of fell apart the last couple of weeks. 13 and 14 were rebuilds, and then 15 and 16, very frustrating because even though they had a, a steep jump to go from 63 wins in 13 to 73 wins in 14, people thought with all the additions they made going into 15, they could contend. And then this year, of course, everyone knows about the 23 and 10 start, which is going to be annoying, as annoying to Sox fans as the 117 days in first place from 2012. And now they're you know looking more and more like a team that's going to finish under 500, barring a, a good finishing kick. And that's people's argument, I think, for trading Sale and or Quintana because, you know, you're going through some of their good years. I, I wouldn't say prime years. You know, I think Chris is 27. I don't think he's going to be done at age 30, barring something completely 100% unexpected. But you're wasting some very good years by Sale and Quintana, so you need to get it fixed. And, he, you know, he said top to bottom, everyone's disappointed. It's not just him. And top to bottom that you know they should hit, hold their head high for the you know the, the hard work they put in but they it's, it needs to be better it needs to be changed now the $64,000 question is do they change by rebuilding or do they change by you know centering around uh, the trio of sale Quintana and Rodan which is a pretty solid trio to center on and you, and you know Anthony pitching ultimately wins championships and kind of make trades and make some signings around it now People pointed out to me when I mentioned this on Twitter that, you know, the free agent class is not great this year, but you can make trades. And remember, 
not every free agent signing to move the needle upward and to get closer contention has to be a seven-year, $160 million signing. You can do that with a, a, a solid player who you think fits your team. You know, it's, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I'm sure you've talked about those other writers, too, that, you know, the, the major free agent signings last year, let's look at the outfield. The only And Justin Upton's had a nice little run lately, but the only one who's really consistently been good from start to finish has been uh, Cespedes. So, again, I think fans are too cut and dry. They don't want this kind of, well, here's a guy who we've kind of taken, you know, who had a couple off years, but we, we got him low, and we can maybe try and make something work, maybe like a Lados or Jimmy Rollins this year. They want to see the team really go in a direction one way or the other. But it should be cautioned that going in a direction to win doesn't necessarily mean breaking the bank and signing every free agent out there. Well, another great performance that's kind of been wasted here in the second half is, is Jose Abreu, and, and he did not have a great first half, of course, but he's got 11 home runs uh, in August in this early part of September. Just kind of looks more free and easy at the plate. We talked before, Merck, about his son being with him and how that's an emotional boost, but what else is behind this uh, late-season surge here? You know, I have to say, for those who missed the uh... – home run derby, which was which was a shame if you did at the All-Star game. They should have been in Minnesota this past weekend because there were some freaking cannon shots going out there. Miguel Sano and Brian Dozier, who now homers, I think, every two at-bats pretty much. And Jose Abreu hit some, I think he hit one 460 feet, his last home run on Sunday. And I, there was, I don't know, somewhere around 15, 16 home runs in the four-game series there. But, yeah, it was it was kind of humorous. He um he went in one direction with a question about his son, but first of all, he talked about the great help that assistant hitting coach Greg Sparks has been to him and, and you know, Todd Steverson too, but he specifically pointed to Greg Sparks and just kind of working with his hands, more kind of timing pitches. I think the biggest thing with him is as long as he stays within the zone, he's pretty tough to, to, to shut down completely. Now, you know, now the argument on the other side would be when this team had a chance, I don't want to say that he had a bad year, but I mean, he wasn't the middle of the order presence that he had been. So, yeah, his numbers are going to be good, but what do the numbers mean? Well, to me, the numbers mean that you're not seeing a guy who had two good years and suddenly declined. You're seeing a guy who had a little bit of tough stretch in the middle and, and now is hitting like he can, and I think there's no reason to believe that he won't hit that way you know, going forward into 2017. But the comment I started to say that he made is that you know, he said he didn't hit. He kind of laughed. He said he didn't hit because he didn't hit. And he said, you know, don't blame my son because he wasn't here, and that's why I was slumped. But I think we're looking at it the other direction in that, not that we blamed his son for not being here and causing Jose to slump. We're looking at it more as that was a huge boost, knowing that he was coming to see him. And, and, and you know, whether he says it or not, I, I have to imagine that seeing his son in December for the first time since he had left and, you know, come to play for the White Sox, and then kind of going again and not seeing him for a while probably played on his mind a little bit more than in the past. This is just my guess. He hasn't said this one way or the other. But, no, no one was saying that his son caused the slump. I think they were saying that, Having his son here was a is a huge boost to him. Bottom line is he's hitting the ball like he did the first couple of years when he joined Albert Pujols as the only guys to have at least 30 homers and at least 100 RBIs in the first two years of their career. Uh, elsewhere with the Sox, Carson Fulmer, it sounds like he will not be rejoining the big league club, even with rosters expanded in September. What's the latest on that? Yeah, maybe you can explain this to me, Anthony. Charlotte <laughs> lost the division by a half game to Gwinnett because Gwinnett played one less game. So I, I don't totally understand that one. But anyways, Gwinnett won on Monday oh. afternoon. They won the last game of the year. They beat Charlotte, who was leading going into that by a half game. So Charlotte's season is over. I expect some, you know, Jason Coates, Leori Garcia to be added. But it doesn't sound 
completely 100% that not even really close to 100% that Carson Fulmer's coming back. You know, he was sent down to stretch out as a starter. They talked about possibly him making a starter, too. And I guess even if he doesn't come up in the next couple of days, they could bring him up, you know, down the stretch for a starter, too. But it sounds like, they, you know, they want to manage his innings. He had a lot to process this first full year. You know, he worked out of the bullpen, which was not kind of his comfort zone and worked a lot with Don Cooper and Bobby Thigpen, which is a plus. But it doesn't sound necessarily set that he's coming back with the next wave of September Cobbs. And I would be very surprised to see Zach Birdie, who, of course, was their 26th pick overall in the draft this year, their uh, compensation pick for Jeff Samarjo, who has been showing off his 100-mile-an-hour fastball and great command of four pitches down at Charlotte and throughout the minor league system. I would be very stunned if he's part of the call. So I, I think it's, you know, um, Miguel Gonzalez is going to come off the disabled list as we, ta- as we take this to start on Tuesday night. I would think it's Garcia and Coach and probably one more reliever, and then I'm not – it doesn't look like a lot past that. So Charlotte, who finished 14-under, but a half out is done, and that can add a couple others to the uh, roster soon. So Gwinnett uh, basically benefited from a rainout or, or something of that nature? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I was asking one of the players who I know about uh, about how do they win that, and he goes, I don't know. I guess it's the minor league. So, you know, I guess they just it doesn't matter as much in that. But Charlotte knew going in that, you know, the winner won. The, it was basically a play-in game. The winner yeah. won, I think it was the International League South on Monday. Charlotte had the half-game lead, and it was Gwinnett who took the victory, and the season is over for the Knights. Well, that is a bummer, uh, a half a bummer, I guess, half a game bummer. But I should add um, in Great Falls, which has a lot of the draft picks from the 2016 class, is ma- is going to the P- Pioneer League playoffs. They're on a roll. So Sox do have some representation of the postseason. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to be there in some fashion. Uh, Hawk Harrelson turned 75 over the weekend. Merck about that? spent 56 years, 56 of those 75 years in baseball. I know you had a chance to get his reflections on that. Uh, would you take away from that conversation? Yeah, I mean, truly one of the more interesting, unique characters in the game. And, and I, he joked about that when he was young, uh, he played a, a lot of pool, and he said uh, the people in the establishment bet that he wouldn't make it to 20. So he, he showed them. He got to 75. But but I liked his, you know, just his talk about some of the great players he's seen. I knew, I knew that, you know, George Brett was one of his favorites, and he singled him out. I really appreciated the fact that he talked about how Adrian Beltre and Miguel Cabrera were fun for him to watch because of the fact that they were so talented, they played so hard, but they have fun with the game. And I think really ultimately that's something to keep in mind. You know, I understand that you know, you're a fan of teams, I'm a fan of teams. We all get frustrated with our teams and they're not going well, but ultimately you've got to keep it in perspective and realize that, that this should be fun. You want, you want to see a team win. You want to see success, but you know, it shouldn't be unless you're like running the team it probably shouldn't be pulling your hair out over, over last success. So, so I agree with him that I, I, I really enjoy watching Miguel Cabrera, but we don't see uh, Adrian Beltre as much over in the AOS, but we see Cabrera quite a bit. And he's just, I think it would be a good story just to kind of sit near the Tigers dugout and just watch him for an entire game and just write down his, the conversations, you know, he's having and with the, the moves he's making over there at first base and just to talk with the fans and that kind of thing. But he did list his, uh, his three favorite Sox players. And that was Mark Burley, which I knew he had talked about that quite a bit. And Robin Ventura as a player, and Chris Sale, good choices all around there. And I'm sure there's quite a few others that would make his top ten or, or you know, up there. And he, and he even pointed out that there hasn't been a lot of, in the years he's covered the White Sox. I think it's 32 now. There's been very few bad guys to cover over the years. So that that that's the talk with Hawk as he turned 75. And Bert Blylevin, the Hall of Famer, brought him a cake on a Sunday. So it was it was big festivities at uh, 
target field for Hawk Harrelson. And not many bad players, maybe some bad writers to, to have to be around here and there. But, no, no, no. He loves uh, the writers. Part of it. He, he, loved, he, he said best beat writers in the group. <laughs> I think. All right. I mean, hey, that's I'm going with. from Scott Merkin. want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.